Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait, What? A comics podcast for the Savage Critics website. This is episode 26.2. Picks up right where episode 26.1 left off, and it is our all-curmudgeon episode. Yes, Graham McMillan and I look right into the heart of darkness and dare to ask the truly scary questions. Are there too many creators in comics right now? What's so great about creator-owned comics anyway? And what is with Stanley's mustache? Hope you enjoy it. Thanks for listening. <laughs> uh, well, um, so, you know, I think we did a pretty good job talking about stuff. Uh, let's see, where are we at here? We're at, we're at 112. Um, do you have... Well, I well, do we, ha- did, we are cutting out the first 10 minutes of me talking about the internet that is going to be of interest to no one. Yeah, that is true. So, uh, although I found it interesting, but I can see where it would be a tough sell. I think in part I, I, because... I think it'll be interesting like, to us and literally to no one else. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, you, you might be right. We're going to... But yes, let's, let's jump to it. Listeners, If God knows, if you really want to hear that first 10 minutes, email me and I'll figure out some way to get it. To oh, God, that'd be awesome that? if you start sending people off cuts. You can start like a, a Wait Wad club. Yeah. Like, we you sign up and you're like, here's the parts you didn't hear. The outtakes. Well, yours, your outtakes are like people would pay money for that. You would actually no, pay money no, for me wouldn't. not to release. That. Yeah, exactly. I would pay you to not put half the website there, but that's about it. <laughs> I don't think anyone else would pay any money for it. Come on. I think, I, would... I think you think I am more of a name than I am. No. Oh, I, I, I... the second time today. I'm just saying because um, Chris Arant earlier on was talking about because Chris Arant is now writing for everyone. Yes. Ready for Newsarama, Robot Six, NTV Geek, um, iFanboy, and someone else as well. Um, and he was like, when I was spilling, he said this on Twitter, when I was spilling more work, I was thinking of you and how you played it. And then later on, he's like, have you seen the way Graham works a con floor? And honestly, I'm like, I work a con floor? Dude, you kind of do work a con floor. Having, having, having hung with you sort of in your orbit at San Diego, you are, I mean, part of it is you like people and that you know people. So it's more like you're actually catching up, but you actually can like go from booth to booth to booth to booth. And while you're talking to people, have other people come by and wave at you and indicate that they want to talk to you next. Yeah, but it never, it doesn't lead to work. That's literally just catching up with friends. Yeah, well, there's working the con floor and there's working the con floor. God knows my theory is is that only 15% of working the con floor ever leads to work. So, And that's probably if you're super I was, successful. I was going to say, I'm not even finding that 15% <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, it's just kind of. I don't know, man. It's a, it's, it's a weird time for the industry. There's, there's definitely... Uh, I, f- I find myself... Um, wondering if we don't have too many creators in the field currently and trying to figure out what that means and, and what to do about that, you know, cause we've got, uh, so this is tangentially related to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll probably lead on to like us talking for another hour. I have to warn you. <laughs> First of all, I, uh, I think in many ways we do have too many creators in the field, or at least we have too many creators trying to do the same type of books. Mm. Um, which leads on to, did you see the Eric Powell video? Yes, and this is what I'm saying. The Eric Powell video and the Steve Nile stuff that we talked a little bit about, yes. I think. It mm-hmm. led me on to, this is the column I didn't write for Robot 6 yesterday because I literally got halfway through it and was like, I do not want to put this out on the internet. 
Right. Because no one will understand what I'm saying. But I will tell you because you will argue with me and I will get to explain myself and people will have a better argument. Okay? Okay. Fair enough. In so many ways, I don't give a shit about creator-owned as a concept. Mm -hmm. I do in the the creator gets to say what they want and the creator gets a financial stake in what they create. Yes. But the idea that creator-owned work is inherently better than company-owned work Mm -hmm. is so insanely wrong to me. Right. Um, I came up in response because someone, I think Bleeding Cool, was like... uh, Independent doesn't mean independent anymore. It means independently controlled. So something that's published by IDW is not as independent as something that's published by DC because IDW publishes Transformers. And Transformers isn't as, as more corporate than... I can't even remember what they said. I think it was Hellblazer or something like that. Oh my and it was God. like, what? No! And I feel that the idea of like creator owns is like weird meaningless term now. Right. Well, and this is part of what, what kind of drove me crazy is, is that I, the Eric Powell video is one thing, but honestly, the Steve Niles thing so struck me as this crazy, like, Hey, let's create a bandwagon, jump on it. And we're waving this banner and marching forward. And everyone is like, a lot of the reaction is like, I didn't know anyone who was against this but i mean again like when i was talking uh on twitter with uh with allison about this she was like i thought that this was just about creators you know not bashing creators into independent work you know or creator owned work and i'm like when have creators ever done that like you know creators are generally pretty close they they bitch in private but it's very rare that you see people like bad-mouthing one another in, in public forums. Or if they do, they do like Tom Braver did last week where he's like, I saw this book. Did you see that? I saw this book that was just embarrassing and if someone had marveled at it, they'd be put on probation. I'm not going to say what book it is. Right. Well, right. Exactly. So, A, that's Tom Brevoort, who pretty much <laughs> it's, is it's, Tom Brevoort. Yeah, you know what I mean? Insane. No, but yeah. what I mean is... Um, you very rarely get a creator coming out and being like, this book that I am naming sucks. Right. Like, they just right. don't. Right. They don't even they don't even talk trash about other people's books. I mean, it's like, if you're Tom Brevoort or you're like John Byrne, then you're going to be like dissing people in public and talking about specific stuff. But other than that, like, despite what everyone else is like, sure, there's probably a bunch of people who get together and trash talk like, JMS's like Superman, you know, grounded arc, but they're doing it, you know, in, in a bar in, yeah. or you know what they're, I mean. They're like not they're, doing it. They're not doing it for publication. Yeah, I mean, just the just the fact that like Kurt Busiek's letter that got leaked on Bleeding Cool that was like really the mildest, most. Yeah, he pretty much said, "I tried it. It's not for me." Exactly. People were like, holy shit, how could he say that? Right, exactly. People were shitting themselves two times over that. And it was like, really? This is sort of vaguely connected. Um, Did you see the Entertainment Weekly article about the Fantastic Four death where the writer said, this is a stunt? And then two days later, wrote this thing where he's like, having now read Jonathan Hickman's Fantastic Four, it's not a stunt. It's great. His work is really good. I should never have said that. It was irresponsible. Holy shit, no. Yes. I didn't see his follow-up. It was like, seriously? That's fucking insane. Even if you <laughs> genuinely think that. 
it is <laughs> fucking insane to be like, See, having now read the work, I can tell you there is nothing stunty about it because anyone has to admit that the way Marvel did that was a stunt. Oh, yeah. Whether you think it's the greatest comic ever published or not. Right. It was a stunt. And it was like, I was, I was, it almost felt to me like he had been shamed into saying, having now read the work, it is not a stunt. Well, as you remember, because you and I actually uh, tussled about this over Twitter. I was super appalled that that guy was Mr. Like, oh, I love Jonathan Hickman's work. It's brilliant. Now, I haven't read Fantastic Four, and I'm like, okay, then shut up. Like, don't say that you're a fan of this guy's work if you haven't gotten around to trying it out. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with something. I like the work, but I haven't read this one. I I don't see see any problem with that. I I, I am a fan of, for example, I'm a fan of Jeff Jones, and I've not read his Stars and Stripe. Right. Does that make me less of a fan of Jeff Jones? No, no, Graham, because I think that if you said that you were a huge fan of Jeff Johns because you read Stars and Stripe, but you still haven't gotten around to Blackest Night, I'm like, maybe your definition of a fan is a little antsier than mine. He struck me as somebody who knew that Hickman was cool enough to that he had to give him props, but didn't really have interest in checking up with him. And I'm like, okay, A... That is fine, but then you sort of don't you don't get to call that don't get to say that you're really a fan of the guy's work or you think that he's absolutely brilliant, you know, because you've basically been sitting on your hands for like fourteen months and you're a pop culture critic, you know. So I mean that's that again, this is where I, I'm being goofy. But if he turned around and then said, Okay, well I sat down and I read all this stuff, I'm like, okay, fine. Then you've got an opinion on the work. But the thing that drove me nuts was he wasn't writing it from the perspective of, like, this is a news thing with a, like, hmm, and it smells like a stunt to me. He also had to kind of pat himself on the back for being on top of Hickman and knowing that Hickman was cool and that this work was, you know, up there without actually reading it. It struck me like he was trying to cover all the bases at once. So to me, him having to step back and say, well, I read this and I don't think that it's a stunt on the one hand. okay, so he's wrong, but at least he's got like a somewhat informed opinion, even if it's a wrong opinion. You know what I mean? Or to put it another way, I mean, I am continually humbled and humiliated when we talk by the number of times when you go, so you've read this, right? And I'm like, no. (laughs) <laughs> you've heard of this surely you've seen this and I have to go no and no and no and no and no but because... fair, most of them are Brad Meltzer's decoded <laughs> <laughs> which which I honestly between hearing you uh, talk about it really every week that goes by I'm like why aren't I watching this um, I think that but no but I think that there is something that's so it may just have been my particular buttons are pushed which are uh, talking with you from the position that I have to, I can't bluff as much as I want to when we talk. And it struck me as he was talking out of both sides of his ass. And that bothered me a lot more. Well, what, what I really, really think it was, was that he really didn't know anything about John Hickman, but was just like, he's cool, therefore I will say he's cool. Right. That's really what it struck me as. And then it kind of struck me as like, okay... I don't care about your opinion and I think you're kind of lying and you're kind of trying to hop on 
every bandwagon at once. And I kind of feel like... For me, it's so much worse than doing that to then come back and be like, now that I've read it, I'm totally wrong. (laughs) I don't know why. I just find something... I don't know. I, I, I honestly can't explain why that just depressed me so much. Interesting. Wow, it really depressed you, huh? It made me just think. It made me think that at some point, someone from Marvel was like, "We're very upset at you for doing that." He was like, "Okay, uh, sir." I can't believe. Maybe Marvel's got more influence than I imagine. I cannot imagine that being the case. I really. Maybe you're right, but I think it's more like people were like, "Hey, you kind of come across like a douchebag who doesn't know anything," and then he went and, and he was more chastened by. A bunch I, of people. It could be that, but honestly, uh, as someone who has um, dealt with Marvel, and for that matter, DC, let's let's be perfectly honest, uh, in trying to get access for things, only to be right. told something you've said in the past was displeasing to them, I can completely believe that someone huh. from Marvel is like, mm, did you really want to talk to Brian Bendis about Avengers or Matt Fraction about Fear Itself? Well, we didn't really like what you said about that Fantastic Four thing. Well, I in which case, completely believe that. Well, yes, I can believe that if you're talking about, you know, Comics Alliance, if Newsarama, like, you know, comic book resources, like all the way across the board. But Entertainment Weekly is like, fuck you. I'll just do ten pages on the fucking cape. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm just no, like, no, but here's the thing: Edge of Weekly is going to do ten pages in the fucking cape anyway. But that's what I'm saying. Is no, no, like, no, 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 Marvel, yeah. They, they, um, I have never, ever heard a story about Marvel PR being humble. Well, that, that is true. <laughs> I, I have to admit that I, I totally sync up with that. I will totally, uh, anecdotally attest to that. Even well. like with, even with people they shoot me, I've never heard a story. Right. Marvel okay. Not essentially having the attitude of, hey, we're Marvel. Have you heard of us? We're Marvel. Right. Right. Okay, well that's that's fair enough. I I partially reason that. I, I, I would I find really that scenario. No one from Marvel PR ever listens to this podcast, dude. I hope not. I am I... so screwed. <laughs> <laughs> I think you'll be okay. This is Fingers like, crossed. Earlier on on Twitter today, talking with um, Heidi and Lucas about the yeah. Iron Redesign and thinking Nick Denton is actually going to like have an assassin after me. <laughs> Dude, as far as I can tell, he thinks you still work there. Like, if he gets pissed, he'll just tell Anna Lee to, like, tell you to, like, rein it in. Like, that's what I don't know. I know, that's what was so great. It's like, I don't like how this guy's talking. Like, doesn't he know who signs his checks? It's like, yeah, in fact, he does. <laughs> Mr. Time. Mr. Time signs my checks. <laughs> so, founder of Time Warner. So I don't know if you decided that you wanted to jump off this or we just ended up digressing so unbelievably we, we, no, we, rapidly. We totally digressed. I can't even remember where we were before we started digressing. It it was the – you had mentioned the the unbelievably crazy angle from Bleeding Cool. Uh, but, but essentially that idea of, as you put it, there is nothing inherently better about creator-owned comics. Yeah, I, I find it really weird that people think that there is in a world where this is a completely cheap shot, but I'm also very serious, Youngblood exists. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, absolutely. I, I, I honestly think that the excesses 
of Image Comics mm-hmm. would stand as a very clear sign of this is why creator-owned comics are just comics. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I, and the flip side of it is, as much as I'm, I have said in the past, and I will probably continue to say, that a lot of Marvel stuff is lesser than creator's other work. Mm-hmm. There's nothing inherently worse about company-owned work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's all to do with what the creators put in. It's all to do with the creator's effort. And, and, and sure, there are other things at play. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean it necessarily has to be bad. Like, yeah. the idea that... Is insane to me. Like, you cannot... Point <laughs> you totally to... disappeared for, like, one moment. You have to back up. I was. I thought you were pausing, and then no, suddenly I, it was like, I, I said... it's insane to me. I'm yeah. like, wait, what? <laughs> no, no, I was just saying you're insane. Oh, okay. <laughs> the concept that creator-owned work is inherently better than company-owned work is insane. Yes, is insane. Because indeed. it's like, hey, here's tarot witch of the white rose or whatever it's called is it witch of the white rose am i entirely making that subtitle up you're really close i'm really close aren't i it, it might be witch of the black rose but uh, maybe uh, i'm wrong which yeah exactly the... to google uh-huh which of the black rose okay yeah. so tarot witch of the black rose is better than all-star superman right you know anyone who genuinely is willing to make that argument Please, please show up in the comments. <laughs> we'll do it. We'll go at it. Because it's not. I'm really happy that Jim Balland has found, and I'm not being sarcastic, has found uh, an audience for his work. <laughs> and a really passionate audience. And I'm yep. really happy that it's supporting him, that he can completely follow his bliss. But it is not a better comic book than also. No, I agree. I mean, I'll even, I'll even flip that and say that, um, you know, somebody who went through multiple stages of this is, you know, I I bought every issue of Ed Brubaker's Low Life and I liked it okay. And honestly, I didn't care for Dead Enders. So those are two of his creative works that really, like his his stuff for Captain America and his other Marvel work superseded, you know, and then was that in turn was trumped, I think, by criminal because at that point he was really, you know, upping his game. But it's not really like criminals inherently better than Captain America just because it's creator owned. I mean, it's great for Brubaker. It's great for the marketplace that it's out there. It's amazingly great. But I don't think that that's, you know, and unfortunately this is one of the problems. Like if it was somebody else other than Steve Niles making the argument maybe it would have been easier for me to be swayed by it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just, I'm I'm kind of like, to me, that's a big old flag of there's somebody who, who's turned out, I think, not especially good work uh, in an independent, creatively owned basis. And, you know, he talks about, he's like, oh, I'm talking about the DIY aesthetic and pump it up. And I'm like, okay, that's great. But I mean, I'm sort of like, on the one hand, while I understand that, He's. It's hard for him in the marketplace to independently create and continue to create work um, for himself. There's also a realm in which I'm like, yeah, but I would support it if I actually liked it. 
You yeah. know what I mean? Like, well, why have we not moved past this conversation? Why is it every few years we have someone who's like, great work, it's the future. You guys working on your granddad comics, uh, you suck. Like, why do we keep having that conversation? Why? Because honestly, I think, I think it's, I think the audience understands the landscape more than the creators do in a lot of ways. So why do we still have it? Why, why are we continually having the, have you guys heard of a creator and stuff? It's going to save the industry. Well, the, well I think that, I think there's a couple of different reasons for it, frankly. I mean, and, and the weird part, the reason why I think it comes up is, is that it is sort of the, the nexus of several different sets of obsessions or interests from various parts of the comics industry. So it comes up. I mean, you know, I, I mean, I think that there is a point. I, I I don't remember if I mentioned this on, on Twitter or not. I think I might've started to say it to somebody and never com- finished the thought, but you know, like Bendis, uh, Brubaker, Fraction, all those guys, their creative work sells, you know, a quarter of what their, of what their work for hire stuff sells. And that seems absurd. Mark Miller is the only guy who's not, who's actually able to sell indie work at the level at which he's selling his superhero work. And frankly, it's Mark Miller. So the idea of the indiness of it should really kind of be put heavily in quotes. You know what I mean? But here's the thing. Could it not just be that the audience wants to read that type of story and not the other type of story? Does that not... But I maybe I, mean, but I don't could, think you could, be un- ex- you could be unhappy that that's the case. But I don't think it necessarily means that like people don't know that the creator and work out there. Okay, but see, and then that's where we start getting to. This is where people start saying, "Well, see, this is why we have to have this discussion because people still don't know." I mean, and there is a point to be said. Like, I don't think that Bendis is. It it is crazy to me that Bendis's powers sells a fraction of what his work for hire stuff does. Cause it's not that different. Like criminal is very different from captain America and Avengers, but not hugely. It's not, it's but not like low thing. life. It's a genre. Work. Powers. Powers is sold through the Marvel catalog. It's not like a Marvel fan is somehow missing the opportunity to see the book. Maybe but that's what I'm saying. Want to read it. Well, right. Which kind of gets to the, to the, the, what I think of as the Paul O'Brien argument, you know, but but part of me is like, but I can't quite like. There's still something to you just make can't you quite go. Believe that. Yeah. Well, no. I mean, it's kind of that thing of like, how can you have somebody that believe, that will buy anything that Bendis writes as long as it's everything that Bendis writes that's already an established creator-owned hero? You know what I mean? Like, certainly there are people who are like that, where you get the. It's like, this is what I want to read. I don't really want to expand outside of this niche. I just don't feel like there's, like, hmm. if there's a bunch, there's obviously a bunch of people like that in the marketplace, and those people are very hard for other people like me to grasp, you know what I mean? Because I really do like very, like, if I get bored of a certain type of comic, I start trying other types of comics, you know? So I, I kind of... The idea of sticking through Superman through thick, thick and Thin or the idea of sticking through Bendis' Ultimate Spider-Man through Thick and Thin is like, you know, 
even once I stopped following Ultimate Spider-Man, I was still following Powers up to a point. I think I'm getting ready to drop it at this point, mind you. But, you know... I, I, every time we talk about Powers, you're, you're saying that to me. I do, I do. It's, you're right, I realize. It's, it's, every conversation, it's kind of this horrible, like, oh, I was just I'm getting tired, ready to take I'm out the trash. And, powers. Oh, my God. I'm just, I know. I'm going to drop this at this time. Uh, and it's the real time. It's the real thing. I, I think the thing that's really hard about the, to me, the thing that, that, that I think m- my view is similar to yours, but is actually potentially more incendiary, is I'm just saying there are, I feel like the comics industry that both Marvel and DC are cranking out product in part to support the talent rather than that the sales require it. You know what I mean? Like, it kind of goes back to that weirdo, passive-aggressive comment that was coming out of Marvel when it was like, well, we're going to cut back on our titles, and I hate to see it because it means that I'm putting friends out of work. But apparently that's what everyone wants, so what are we going to do? You know? But I do have the feeling of, like, that, you know, 15 Flashpoint books is great if you're a creator who's going to be working on a Flashpoint book. Yeah. Yeah, it means that you're actually going to be seeing money, you're going to get paid, and you're going to continue to work in an industry in which you love. That's great. Part of me thinks, though, that that is a bad thing for the industry. Well, like, he, we... Here's the thing. I said this on, I want to say, this more publicly recently, and people were like, whoa. But um, I, I, I just feel that I feel that people are really... Like you say, like they're publishing books because they're in order to keep people in work. But I think mm-hmm. part of that is because Marvel and DC lock creators into exclusive contracts without any reason for them to be there. Mm-hmm. And I feel that Marvel really does this. They have all these people under exclusive contracts and don't work for them. So all of a sudden they're like, you know, what's Pascal Faraday? Oh, he's, he's doing Thor, but that's coming out six months from now. You know, or what's Daniel Kuna doing? Oh, he's doing lots of fill-ins because he doesn't actually have a regular gig, but he's exclusive. Right. And it's just, it's, it's almost like, it's like, um, it's like the internet when people are saying first. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? The being there is more important than why you're there. Yes. And that having someone as an exclusive and saying they're exclusive to you is more important than having any reason for them to be exclusive. Right. Right. Well, I mean, this is this is one of the things that I'm kind of on the one hand, I believe that it's great for the comics industry to find talent and get new talent or take established talent like this, the Superman 80 page giant that's coming out today. It's got Abe's story in it. It's got Colleen Coover and Paul Tobin doing a story in it. There's a bunch of other people that and I think on the one hand, I think that is absolutely fabulous. And it's really probably the best way to continue to move new people into the industry. But there's also a way in which I'm like, does the audience need a, an 80-page giant? Does it support an 80-page giant? Like, how many of the sales of that Superman book are being propped up by people who buy every Superman book that comes out because they are committed to buying every Superman book that comes out, you know? And so I do have this weird way, and admittedly this is, a, you know... I feel really uncomfortable thinking and talking about it because I'm also somebody who would like to, you know, get, be more established in the industry and do more than I've currently done. Um, and yet I find myself going like, to what extent am I 
part of the problem. Now, it could be, as you pointed out, Marvel and DC, they both have exclusive contracts, and they're both committed to shoving each other off the shelves. You know, like if Marvel publishes less and DC publishes more and DC suddenly has the 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 market share for the month, everyone's looking at it like, okay, so Marvel left money on the table and DC just took it. Yeah, but is is that really how people are looking at it? I I don't know. I seem to recall somebody making that argument about about the, the dollar share and the market share in Marvel line God, laying were, back. Were they insane? <laughs> well, I don't think well, that no, they were... Because honestly, like the idea that the idea that DC beats Marvel one month is mm-hmm. because Marvel left money on the table. It's like, I think... have you ever, ever looked at how many books these Marvel publishes? It's well, not see, that but... they're leaving money on the table. It's that people just didn't want to buy the conservatively 150 books they put out that month. Right. Well, see, and this is where I'm going to say I feel like this is something that maybe Tom Brevoort said. <laughs> well, again, who's consistent, yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> well, no, but I'm I'm not saying. Of course, I don't believe that. But do I believe that there are people who are saying that and believing it, and they might be working for Marvel? I'm inclined to say yes. I mean, I am inclined to say. Oh God, I'm sure people at Marvel believe that. Like, of course, if, if someone has enough money to buy a DC comic, then it's because Marvel isn't putting out enough comics. But, exactly. Uh, it's just—it's insanity. Yeah. It's yeah. complete insanity. There's, there's. Does the the industry have many creators in it? Yes. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the industry has as many creators in it as is needed to churn out so many books. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's mm-hmm. it's, it's a catch-22. Right. Right. No, agreed. And this is one of the things that I thought was interesting about uh, Eric Powell's video. Is is like, I can... He, it's such an interesting uh, he's such an interesting figure to have made that video in a way because of course he's one of the few guys that is successful outside the superhero paradigm the the big two and yet you really wonder like it's kind of that idea of like huh is he really that successful is he having to scrape to get by like you know um, oh I, you know, I I I think he's I don't know if he's having to scrape to get by but I mean I wouldn't put him up there with like Mike McNola or something. Right, no, exactly, because I mean he's not, not, not. It, it, there's no, there's no money, there's no toys, and et cetera, et cetera. But, but there is kind of that element of like, I mean, ultimately the thing that's frustrating is you can only move the, the needle so much. I think through sheer, because I was I was a pretty big team comics boy. Like I don't know, like five, six, what, eight years ago, back when people first were doing team comics, and and people like Tom Spurgeon were making fun of team comics, you know. And I then was... you realized Tom Spurgeon was right. <laughs> well, this is the thing that's weird is I really did write fuck team comics, you know, about a week ago. And the thing that's very hard for me is I feel like I feel a little bit like what Scott McCloud said in his post about Eric Powell's video, which is like the marketplace is incredibly diverse right now. There's maybe not necessarily a lot of money out there. But... Well, that, no, it's, it's right. Like the, the medium is incredibly mm-hmm. healthy. Yeah. The marketplace is kind of fucked. 
Yeah, but, the marketplace. But find is another desperate. marketplace then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? It's not. I, the problem is not that people are not doing diverse enough work. The problem right. is that the direct market, which let's face it, is pretty much always going to be dominated by the hardcore superhero fans. Because at this point, what reason does anyone else have to come into the direct market? Yeah. Like direct market superhero sets and will probably continue to be, but that's okay. There's other marketplaces out there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It feels, it feels like you kind of want to be slapped in the face by complaints like this. Do you know what I mean? Like you're looking for something to complain about. You're not actually trying to be part of the solution at all. Well, or it's or it's one of those situations where you can't see beyond the edge of your horrifyingly high quarterly tax payment, you know? And I, I don't think that there's not a, I, I don't think there's, you know, I don't mean that in any way as a diss. I think that is a, that is a very... Sure? No, 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 because I, I do think that, that that can be, like, you can have those moments of you get confused with, you know, this is what's happening to me, therefore this is what's happening to the marketplace kind of thing of like, hey, I can't make it making, I'm not able to make a go of it in this particular format or in this particular way, or the fact that I have this incredible established track record means that, you know, I should be able to go to DC or Marvel and get something that's a little bit better than, you know, shut the fuck up. We'll pay, you know, we'll pay you to draw what we tell you, you know, rather than giving you money to start up the next new thing. It's like, I, I do understand and feel for that kind of situation because it, because the marketplace has never been the 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 direct marketplace has never been more in a in a licensing chokehold you know not even like when you take when you take licensed characters into it like the stuff that IDW's licensing or the the dark horses licensing and just extend that and extend that and extend it's it's a it's a chokehold the thing that we should be encouraged by is is that there are books like or works like Scott Pilgrim or Walking Dead or other things that have are able to succeed, you know, because I think the problem was by earlier is, is that those things existed in the marketplace. It was easier to get them into the marketplace, but they didn't, they didn't do anything for the creators for the most part, unless you were a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you just did it. It was there. And then maybe if you were lucky, it got turned into somebody's web cartoon. I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Does that just sound crazy? It sounds crazy, but... Um, <laughs> Graham McMillan, the reassurer. Yes, you're nuts, Jeff. You're fucking insane. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to... I, it, just, it just strikes me as... I guess an argument that is over. Mm, yeah. Well, I mean, this is the thing. an argument that just doesn't matter anymore. Because, because the, the, that ship has sailed. That horse has bolted. Don't close your barn door and ships that it's safe or whatever. Um, <laughs> like, I can see his point, but I can only see his point if I ignore everything else that's out there. Right. Well, I... And at, and at that point, it's like, oh, but there's all these other things out there, right? No, I agree. I feel, I feel I, like he, I feel, I guess that he's having the wrong argument, and he's definitely 
having with the wrong people. Well, there is that. There is that. I mean, I think the, I think the reason why web comics, the book marketplace, manga, I, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that with some exceptions, most of the quote-unquote indie triumphs uh, from the marketplace over the last decade have come from bringing new people into the marketplace, not guilting the current members of the marketplace into supporting something. Sure. You know? And also uh, from the quality of the work. I mean, because here's the thing, you'll never right. guilt a revolution. Right. You won't guilt a revolution. Um, you know... And, and it's, but it's also not as easy, like, if you build it, they will come. No. No, it's totally there, true. There's a happy medium somewhere. And, but the happy medium is not making a video and then complaining. Right. Well, or there's even an, there's even there's even the unhappy mediums. There's some really second-rate work that has managed to excel and find life outside the medium. I mean, outside of the marketplace, and that's also a sign of health. It's not a sign that I agree with, but but again, it does sort of rest things out of there are like doing quality work, continuing to do the work to be in the marketplace. You know, you just can't put out a book every eight months and and figure that's going to cover your nut, you know? Um, so fuck you, Eric Powell. That's our message to you. Not really. You're probably a very nice man, and you do great panels. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes, indeed. Uh, <laughs> I don't yeah, know. This... It, just, it just seemed uh, misguided, shall we say. Mm, um, yeah. I... I, I, I may be being polite. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like I, I, I can sympathize, but only in a. What are you doing? Sense. <laughs> okay. Well, fair enough. So I think we've actually managed to douse ourselves in enough gasoline for this one conversation. Um, oh, unless come on, there's man. just just come up with someone else. Uh, that Stanley. What's wrong with him? No, I don't know. <laughs> I honestly thought you were going to go for that. Sadly. Why isn't he dead yet? Why isn't he dead? <laughs> Seriously, Graham, tell me, the man's like 109 years old. I don't understand. Do you know, do you know what's keeping him alive? He's standing. Is that what you're <laughs> going to say? His imagination. Did you see all those groundbreaking new creations he came up with for the NFL? Isn't Holy it crap. unbelievable? I've, I've never seen anything like that. It's like the man's a creative powerhouse. It's, yeah. It's... Uh, my god. I say this sarc- like sarcastically, but I also kind of like the Boom Studio books. That, so, eh, you never know. I, I, haven't, I haven't looked at the Boom Studio books. Could be great. Could be you'll, awful. You'll be surprised by... Uh, you know what it is? It's good execution of mediocre ideas. See, and that would be a.k.a. Stan Lee. Because my big thing <laughs> is... No, 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 it's no. classic stuff! I I honestly feel that way. I believe that Stanley is the is a is one of the greatest synthesists or antithesists of all times. You know what I mean? But if you break down into that sort of thesis, synthesis, antithesis concept, Stanley is not an I part of the reason why he worked real he was working with Jack Kirby. Kirby took out all these ideas and sort of pushed them out into the world and Stan Lee was able to spin and Stan Lee off of them. Up for work. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. No, 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 no. Because, I mean, I think we've seen other people who have not been able to do it with that level of quality. Or, for that matter, you look at the stuff of what he was doing with Ditko. He was able to take these things, make them seem organic. There's times where he knows the right time to cut against the overwhelming seriousness, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But but part of that is is that seriousness is there. So for me, the idea that that Stan Lee is a, is a creator is a really hard thing because for me, like the the proof is in the pudding is everything that Stan Lee went on to create after he was no longer working with Kirby and he was no longer working with um, with Ditko. You know, my my big joke, but I honestly believe it is you know. You know, while Kirby was creating, like the I don't know, like uh, even something that seems as third third rate and hackneyed as Captain Victory, that was jammed with all sorts of weird oddball sketches and ideas. Stanley was having Spider-Man fight a billionaire dressed as a gorilla, you know, in it in the in the Stanley Daily Comic strip. Like there's that guy was doing a Daily Comic for thirty years. What do we remember from it? anything and i just i don't i think that's his i think he has nothing but except his name and i mean he's got he's he's able to synthesize but he doesn't maybe the boom stuff is interesting to me in the idea of like it's finally somebody like he should never be dry drawing the the cart i guess you know what i mean like he should he should always be in the cart someone else should be leading like let someone else create a comic book let stanley dialogue it I think it would actually be great. Oh, but that, that, yeah, but that, yes, I, I agree with that, especially on his recent like Marvel synths, which have been very witty if repeatedly the same joke over and over again. Right. Um, <laughs> but no, the, the boom stuff is he has created it and other people are writing it. Right, I know. And so part of me is, like you said, it's got to be good execution of really mediocre ideas. I don't think Stan is an idea man. And God knows, looking at, like, the fucking Guardians is a pretty good example of that. Like, I just, I'm like, wow, that guy, like, Stripperella. Like, you can just look at, like, a history of 30 years of his stuff. But I think he's incredibly talented. I think the thing that's weird is he gets called a creator, he gets treated outside the marketplace as a creator, and it's this weird fundamental misunderstanding and what's great about it is is there's this strange emperor's new clothes of like you know once he's through creating a bunch of disposable web comics boom it's on to create you know disposable like mascots for the hockey thing and he's just can pump those things out forever really but there's no there's no ju- juice to them i don't really and it, i don't even want to sound like i'm bitching about Stan because I, it's sure? just, <laughs> well, I mean, the thing that's, I will take it a step farther and go, and say well, that I, the reason why. I don't want to sound like a bitch about suddenly, but I'm going to take it a step farther. Fuck him. Well, no, <laughs> fuck him, yeah. Fuck him and fuck his mustache. No, I, no, 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 no. I was no. going to say that. <laughs> Were you? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> we spent too much time talking about it, so shit. <laughs> Oh, that's too funny. Um, Take it home, Jeff. Yeah, I I was going to say that, uh, when I wasn't going to say fuck him and fuck his mustache, is that the reason why people misunderstand that is because 
Stan got tagged as the creator and Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko got tagged as the artists. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, and so it's this weird lie that continue, that everyone else accepts. And because everyone else accepts it, it, it continues to be this, this weird force um, in the world that makes no sense and leads to absolutely comical mishaps like the Guardians or like, what the hell? Like Stan Lee's post- 1972 career. Yeah, like but just imagine, what, just imagine. What's the, st- what the longest lasting Stanley creation? What is the last long lasting Stanley creation? Uh, that that's still like quote unquote viable in the but, marketplace or whatever. Yeah, I would have to say. Sh- I'm sorry, that what? Still being used on a regular basis. Oh yeah, I, I I'm gonna have to say She-Hulk. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't remember if he co-created. Because I'm like, there's Miss Marvel. There's there. Did he? Which of course is you know not again not not nearly as continuously viable as She-Hulk appears to have been. And also, is Miss um, Marvel not like Stanley did the first issue that immediately appeared? Well, yeah, but. I mean, that's kind of that thing of like, I don't remember if he did the first issue and or he created the character and did the first issue and passed it off. But he only did the first issue of She-Hulk as well, as I recall, right? I honestly can't remember. I, I'm pretty sure he just did the first issue and then issue two was, I, I'm going to pull a name out of the hat and say David Kraft, David Anthony Kraft, but I have no idea. Um, but uh, I was thinking about Spider-Woman to remember if he had created that character. I know Archie Goodwin wrote that first issue, but I just... I don't remember if Stan like quote unquote created, but yeah, that's it. That is, and that is, that, again, I think that really says it all though. Doesn't it? I mean, it's one character and it's the she version of an already created character. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I've always felt that way. Um, I don't know. I, I just, so yeah, fuck his mustache. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I don't know. That cheery note. Exactly. People, we love comics. We love you. Thank you for listening to Wait What. Uh, That's the greatest ending that you could ever do. 